When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast as a part of the, the Behind the Steel Curtain network of podcasts. I thank you for joining me. It is Wednesday. It is hump day. We have a lot to discuss. I'm excited about this show for one main reason. And no, sadly, it's not about the mailbag in the second half. I love the mailbag. I love hearing from my Ride or Die crew. You all are the absolute best. And it was also really cool when a lot of the Ride or Die crew was in attendance in Atlanta last week, and they were just sending me videos and photos. I am determined in the new year to get t-shirts. Okay, My cousin, who has been a contributor in the mailbag, Chris, if you're listening, I want to do a t-shirt. I want to do a t-shirt. I want to give my ride or die crew an opportunity to buy something that they can wear in public so maybe they can see one another, recognize one another. Game recognizes game, if you want to put it that way, as the kids are saying now. But still, it's awesome. The mailbag's awesome. But this is Ravens week, folks. This is Baltimore Ravens week. And I hate to turn the page so quickly on Atlanta, but when it's an NFC South opponent that the Steelers have dominated in their history and only play each other really once every four years, you turn the freaking page because the Ravens are waiting. It's Ravens week, and in the state of Maryland, this is a big deal. And in the state of Maryland, where myself, Dave Schofield, Brian Davis reside, this is an even bigger deal because we are surrounded by that hideous purple and black, the stupid bird everywhere. Yeah, they're well represented. It's their home state. I would expect nothing less. That would be like going to Pittsburgh and not expecting to see Steelers gear everywhere, black and gold, everywhere you look. It's Ravens week, and I'm freaking pumped. The Steelers have won back-to-back games. They're just on the cusp of being in the discussion again. 
man, this is a big game. This is a big game. I think you feel it. If I feel it, you feel it because I feel like we're on the same wavelength. But what we're going to do is we're going to attack this the way we always do a Wednesday show. We're going to do the news first. We're going to do DEFCON level updates, and then we're going to hit this uh, this podcast out of the ballpark before getting into the mailbag in the second half. So let's start off with the news. Congratulations to Cam Hayward, who was the Steelers nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. It's his fifth time. His fifth time being nominated. Now, he's never won the league-wide award, which is handed out at the Super Bowl. I believe Jerome Bettis might be the only Steeler that's ever won it. He won it in 2001. It was pretty cool that Jerome was actually on hand at a team meeting in Pittsburgh, and he was the one that gave the news to Cam and the team that he was the Steelers' representative for that award. And what that award is, in case you didn't know, it's for not just a superior play on the field, but also being a superior human being off the field. Yeah, when you think about Cam Hayward, if you don't know about the Hayward house and Cam's week week of kindness that he started this year, the dude does a ton of work for the, the citizens of Pittsburgh and in the Pittsburgh area, the greater Pittsburgh area. So congratulations to Cam Hayward. He's a quality player and a quality human being. Uh, the injury update is uh, obviously Mike Tomlin spoke to the media on Tuesday, and there was a lot of news disseminated. He almost skipped out on the injuries until I think it was our buddy Jer Bear, Jerry Dulack of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette said, uh, Coach, any injuries? And he goes, oh, that's right. Believe it or not, I was expecting him to bring up T.J. Watt first. He did mention uh, when he was asked that T.J. Watt is dealing with a rib injury of some kind. But it was Chooks Accor for in his shoulder injury that he brought up saying that he could be limited early in the week. He said that a lot of the players that have been dealing with you know bumps and bruises, as he puts it, that maybe were, maybe were limited uh, in the early portions of last week, they might have to do something similar this week. He mentioned Watt, Larry Ogunjobi is two players that could be in that same boat. He's still optimistic for them being able to play this Sunday. But he also was asked about players that are on injured reserve now that are now cleared to return, mainly Chris Boswell and William Jackson III. Both of these players, when Mike Tomlin was asked about them, he said point blank, I I really need to focus on the players that are available. The way that it sounded, and I hate to try and draw conclusions out of like a a press conference interview or a question and answer session, but it sounded like that the windows, the 21-day windows would be started for these players this week, and then they're just going to take it one day at a time. If you know anything about the Steelers, I think there's only been one or two occasions, and they were very special occasions, meaning they were getting ready for a playoff game, that the Steelers have started that 21-day clock and activated that player the same week. They just don't do it that way. But still, you could see Chris Boswell and or William Jackson returning to practice this week. Be on the lookout for that. So that's really, that was all the news. I mean, Mike Tomlin talked a lot about the upcoming game with the Ravens, and he talked about uh, players when he was asked about specific players. Check out Dave Schofield's article, which runs at 8.15 Pittsburgh time every Wednesday, and it is the Players Mentioned article. It's a great article in case you didn't catch Mike Tomlin's press conference. You can go back and see his exact quotes about specific players. It's good stuff, so check that out. Let's update our DEFCON levels In case you are someone that just is starting to listen to the Let's Ride podcast, the whole reasoning behind this, and you should know by now that DEFCON Level 1 is the worst. DEFCON Level 1 meaning is that a threat is imminent. Get out of town. Five, everything is fine. Everything is perfect. You don't need to worry about anything. But this all started when I just kind of wanted to give my opinions on positions and where I thought they were headed. Are they trending in the right direction? How 
worried should fans be, in my opinion, about that specific position? Listen, if you are listening to this show, you could be going and having your own DEFCON levels. That's fine. These are mine. Let's start on offense like we always do with the quarterback. I'm keeping it at a four. I still like what Kenny Pickett brings. In no way, shape, or form is this guy perfect. But I, I guess the people that think that he's going to come out and be perfect, I ask, what, where, in, where in the world have these expectations come from? That you expect this rookie quarterback, I don't care what his age is, I don't care that he was labeled the most quote-unquote NFL-ready uh, quarterback in this, in this last draft class, I don't care about any of that. It's just not feasible to think this guy's going to be a finished product in the first season that he plays, and especially a season where he didn't even be, he wasn't even the name the starter coming out of camp. I like the way he's trending, continues to improve every single week. He looks more comfortable. I feel more comfortable with him as the quarterback. I have it as a four. I just wish that maybe there was a couple games where he connected on some of these throws. It used to be, man, he just won't throw the ball down the field. Now he's finding those receivers. He just has to connect. He connected with Connor Hayward, a beautiful throw, beautiful catch, but he missed Pat Fryermuth on a very similar throw. So he just has to start hitting on some of those throws, and I really think he's going to be on his way. We'll put it that way. Let's go to the pass catchers, the wide receivers and tight ends. I have them as a three again. Whether it was George Pickens, you know, not his his sideline antics, which I really don't even want to call him that. It is what it is. He wants the football. He was in Georgia. We know all that. But Deontay Johnson continues to be a headache. I spoke about this on the winners and losers segment on my Monday podcast. If you missed that, go back and check it out. But still, I want to see more from the wide receivers. Now, Pat Fryermuth, fantastic. Connor Hayward, great game. Not enough to get this group from a three to a four. They stay the same. They stay to three. Running backs. Last week, I was concerned about the players that were banged up. This is after the Colts game. I was concerned about Najee Harris. I was concerned about Jalen Warren and his hamstring, and I was concerned about Benny Snell popping up on the injury report with the knee injury. Not concerned this week. It went from a three to a four. I love the way that they're using these running backs. I love how it's as close to a running back by committee as we Steeler fans have ever seen in the Mike Tomlin era. I like the way they're using the running backs and they're effective. Keep it going. Lastly, the offensive line, it was a four last week. It's a four this week. They rushed for over 150. They don't give up sacks. I want to give them that five, but I just want to see a little bit more. If they can duplicate their success that they saw in Indianapolis and that they saw in Atlanta against this Baltimore defense, then that, that they're going to be a five next week. I'll tell you that right now. If they can duplicate with the running game, if they can duplicate not allowing pressure, they will be from a four to a five, but this week they're still a four. Now let's go to the defensive side of the ball. The defensive backs, they go up one. They go up to a four. It was great to see Minka Fitzpatrick getting his hands on a football again. I thought Cam Sutton played a great game. These defensive backs were asked more to do more in the run support game than they were to actually in pass coverage. Yes, they did have to defend the pass, but not like a normal week. And so that's why Minka Fitzpatrick led the team in tackles. I like the way that group's trending. If Levi Wallace can stay healthy, Cam Sutton can stay healthy. Maybe you get a William Jackson the third back at some point. That's not a bad group then if William Jackson's healthy and fits the scheme that the Steelers want to use. I like the way they're going. I have it going from a three to a four this week. Inside linebacker remains at a three. 
you just it, there's just no easy fix here. I don't see it moving too much either way. You want to see more from every single inside linebacker on the team. Outside linebacker remains a three. TJ Watt clearly is not a hundred percent. Whether it's the pectoral injury, whether it's the knee, or now whether it's the ribs, the dude is banged up. Alex Highsmith. I, I'm going to go by what Jeffrey Benedict said in our Slack channel that he did not have a good game. He looked like his ankle might have been a little messed up or tweaked. We'll see. The outside linebackers are a three. They stay the same. The defensive line actually goes down one. They were a four after Indianapolis. They go down to a three. That might be a little harsh because, honestly, the Atlanta Falcons are a different beast in terms of them running the football and how they stick to the run. They do. Something Jeremy Betts said on the All Bets Are Off segment last Friday. He said they're not going to give up on the run. They're just not going to do it. And so because of that, the defensive line, they did get worn down. They did give up a lot of rushing yards. Although it was below the Falcons' average on the year, still I want to see them be a little bit more dominant than what they are. I've got them going from a four to a three. Lastly, special teams. Special teams I thought were fantastic. Coverage units, punt team, Matthew Wright, they go from a three to a four. What's keeping them from a five? If they could get some return yards from Steven Sims on top of everything else already happening, they could go from a four to a five. Matthew Wright stoinking them off the uh, uprights. That's a little, makes me a little uneasy, but still, uh, yeah, there you go. So there's our updated DEFCON levels. You might have different levels, and that's fine. But you know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about this game coming up. This game coming up, to me, and it's the title of this podcast, it is time to see what the 2022 Steelers are made of. Show us what you're made of. That's what that's what this game is right now. There's no doubt the Steelers are different since their bye week. There's no doubt anyone that watches this team has seen that this team is different in so many ways. But is their 3-1 record coming out off their week 9 bye? Is it due to improved play? Or is it due to the opponent? Now, I asked this question in an article. A lot of people responded on Twitter. And there were some people that said both. Some people that said one or the other. The wins against New Orleans, Indianapolis, and Atlanta, the combined records of those three teams is 13-25-1. I'll say it again, 13-25-1. Their lone loss was to the Cincinnati Bengals, who have definitely rebounded in their 8-4. and 8-4, and, and they lost that game only by a touchdown. So keep that in the back of your mind, too. But week 14, week 14 will be a show us what you're made of game. Now, I I love that slogan. I say it all the time. And that's from one of my favorite movies. That's from a a movie I used to watch with my fraternity brothers every Friday in college. And that's Varsity Blues. If you've never seen Varsity Blues, there's a scene where Lance Harbour, the star quarterback, his family's hosting a picnic, and Johnny Moxon, the backup his family's there, and they're all drinking, and the dads are getting drunk, and he says, it, Johnny Moxon's dad says, if it weren't for Kilmer wasn't such a prick, I my son be the quarterback. And then they decide to do this little you know, competition where they put a can on the top of their head, the dads do, and they want their sons, the quarterbacks, to throw a football and knock the can off the head. And Lance Harbour's dad puts that beer can on top of his head. He goes, come on, son, show us what you're made of. And I, I've, I've always... Always remember, I don't know why, but show us what you're made of. That's what this game is for the Steelers. It's a show us what you're made of type of game. Now, excuse makers, they've already started. You know that fan. 
whether you know them on social media, whether you know them in person, you know the excuse makers. The people that want to, and Dave Schofield will call them the poo-poo fans, the poo-poo Steeler fans, that no matter what, they're always going to find some type of proverbial loophole to diminish something. Kenny Pickett's success, yeah, but. Uh, the Steelers win, yeah, but. Yeah, yeah, but, 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 but. That, that's what they are. So they'll say, well, you know, this game's at home. They're favored to win. Now three points, favorites. That's what they are, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. There's not going to be Lamar Jackson. That's going to be the this and the other. And the Ravens are overrated. Like th- This is some of the narratives that these people will say. I-, I swear they hate the Steelers. They say they're fans, but I swear they hate them. But can the Steelers win a big game is what this is about. The show us what you're made of is show me what you have. Can you win a big game? All the Steelers are talking about it. Mike Tomlin talked about it. They're five and seven. They were three and seven, and they have clawed their way back to at least being relevant. At least being relevant. I'm not saying they're in the playoff picture, but they're relevant. If they win this game, that changes everything. From five to seven to six to seven, six and seven. You are talking about now all of a sudden 500 is a very realistic goal as you go to Carolina. This all of a sudden becomes, can they make some magic if you win this game? Lose this game. Five and eight, kiss it goodbye in my opinion. You're just playing for, we got to get some momentum going into the offseason and next year we got to figure out what we have, stuff like that. But can the Steelers win the big game? Can they shut down a Ravens offense? That with Lamar Jackson for the vast majority of these, since their bye week, they had their bye week in week 10. Coming off their bye, their offense has scored 12, 27, and 10 points in those three games since the bye. 12 against Carolina, 27. Most of those were very late against Jacksonville, and 10 against Denver. Can the Steelers' defense shut them down? Shut it down. Can they do that? Can they do their part to win a big game. But can they stop the run is the question. And everyone's bringing up uh, Huntley's, Tyler Huntley's stat line last year when they he was the quarterback the Steelers faced in Baltimore in Week 18, the game that went to overtime. And they're not impressive, yet he was a large reason why the Ravens ran all over the Steelers. Steelers' rush defense was a little different last year. Keep that in mind. But still, they need to stop the run. But also, maybe a bigger storyline for me is not the Steelers' defense versus the Ravens' offense. It's the, Raven, it's the Ravens' defense versus the Steelers' offense. Can the Steelers move the ball and put up points against a defense that in that same time span has given up three points, 28 that lost to Jacksonville, and nine to Denver? Again, three points against Carolina, 28 points against Jacksonville. Again, a lot of those coming in the fourth quarter. And nine against Denver. Everyone knows the narrative surrounding the Ravens. They can't protect a lead to save their lives. All the games they've lost are blown leads in the fourth quarter. This is a game where if the Steelers can put up points, they win. And I think that's based on the fact that I think the Steelers' defense is very much primed for that matchup against Tyler Huntley and that Ravens' offense. We will talk more specifics about this game on Friday giving you the keys to victory and all that good stuff, so make sure you're checking that out. But this is the game. Show us what you're made of. 
I want to see what these Steelers are made of. You've got people laughing when someone says playoffs for the Steelers. Win this game, they won't be laughing anymore. Win this game, and all of a sudden, they move up into that in the hunt with the uh, AFC playoff picture. If you just win this game. The last time we had a game like this, meaning this season, was the Cincinnati game, and the Steelers lost that game. Bengals were coming off a bye, but it was at home. They, they just weren't able to get the job done. They have to be able to do it this week. Give the Ravens a loss and watch them propel the Steelers up into that playoff picture. Show us what you're made of. Fire the football. All right, when we come back after this break, we're going to dive headfirst into the mailbag. Stay tuned. We'll be okay. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Alright, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is Wednesday, the second half. That means one and only thing. It is time for the mailbag segment. In case you don't know how to do this, it's simple. Follow me on Twitter. That's J Hartman. The letter J H A R T M A N underscore P I T. I put out a question. I use a, a wedding crashers gift because that's Kenny Pickett's favorite movie. You respond to that tweet, I answer the question. It's that simple. Let's get things started with Nick. He said, Is it me? Or does Matt Canada need to make it even easier for Kenny to read and react in passing sets. I think the offense allows Pat Fryermuth to get open and become an easy target, but the wide receivers have to run difficult routes and make spectacular contested catches a lot. This is a this has been an ongoing discussion here, and I'm going to point to people that know more about the game than I do, mainly Kevin Smith, who did a fantastic article on Tuesday. Make sure you check it out. It's called Three and Out. It's on the website right now. You might have to scroll down a little bit, but go and check that article out. And he talks about Kenny Pickett and Matt Canada, how they're starting to kind of figure things out together. I will say that while Pickett's getting better at reading and reacting and passing sets, I think that the the marriage between coordinator and quarterback is getting better. They're finding ways to mesh skill sets, mesh things together. I like the way they're trending, but you're right. It's not making it easier on the wide receivers. The offense is becoming more run-oriented, and that can be a challenge for quarterbacks. Lori, longtime listener, asked the question, the running game has improved in past weeks. In your opinion, what is responsible for its recent success? A, the offensive line playing better. B, the use of Warren and Snell to spare Najee and 
to dispel nausea and keep it creative? C, Nat Canada, or D, all of the above? Okay, uh, since I'm going with your options here, I'm going to go with A as the primary answer. The offensive line is playing better. But I think B also has a large part to do in that. And because A and B are successful, C is successful, and that's Matt Canada. Matt Canada wants to establish the run first, and he's been able to do that, and that's why his play calling has gotten better. So keep that in mind. Anton Char, he asked a couple questions. First, there always seems to be players who the team slash coaches are inexplicably high on despite years of not living up to the uh, to the to the billing, so to speak. Current example, Deontay Johnson, who gets praised as a wide receiver one while the Steelers still had Juju Smith-Schuster and a contract extension despite consistently underperforming and never getting rid of the drops. While I know I'm not the only one who wishes we'd traded him instead of Chase Claypool, how much longer did the Steelers have have uh, DJ play before they give up on the same as they gave up on Dante Moncrief the year that Deontay Johnson supplanted him? So this is a tough question, and I think the answer might actually be found this offseason. And what I'm talking about is, and I hate the fact that I'm thinking this, but once they traded, traded Chase Claypool away, I think that wide receiver became very high on the team needs list. And because that wide receiver now moves up that list, if you could find a receiver in the draft or in free agency that could be even a number two or even just a number three, Deontay Johnson doesn't have to be the guy. I think that's one of the reasons that people have issues with Deontay Johnson is that, and he was not paid like these other receivers, mind you. Was it more than Steeler fans wanted to give? Yes. But was he paid like some of the freak contracts that were given out to A.J. Brown and players like that? No, he was not. So I thought the contract was fair. I still think it's fair. But I just think that Steelers fans need to realize that if George Pickens is eventually going to be that guy, he is that wide receiver one, then Deontay Johnson can be a very good wide receiver too. Find a third option, whether it's via the draft or free agency, doesn't matter. And now all of a sudden you have a very good, viable wide receiver core, and that's not including Pat Fryermuth. So once you change your expectations for Deontay Johnson, everything else shifts as well. But that's a great question. The next one from Anton, if I can find it. Here we go. So I guess we're ready to call Kendrick Green a bust. Not that line depth is bad, but not what you want to spend third-round third picks on. You know, this is something I said to Dave Schofield. We watched the game together on Sunday, the Atlanta game. He came to my house, and I was watching the game. And I was like, I don't know why I was thinking about it, but I was thinking about the fact that the Steelers spent a third-round draft pick on Kendrick Green, a guy that has not been active at all this season. If he was, it's just been for one game. I mean, a third-round draft pick on a guy that could potentially just be a backup career, backup center guard, that type of interior offensive lineman. That's a way, that is a bust in my opinion. Because in my opinion, I've said this before on this show, Day one and day two draft picks should be turned into starters. And that's that came from Kevin Colbert himself. That's It just doesn't look like it's in the cards. And that's a bad pick. It's a really bad pick. Let's go to the next question, Justin Pinksker. Hey, if Kenny Pickett puts up some good stats in the last five games, namely more touchdowns, does he get in the offensive rookie of the year conversation? 
So the offensive rookie of the year conversation has kind of gone all over the place. I mean, you've had a lot of receivers that are very talented this year. Um, some running backs that are performing well. I think that if he re- he'd have to really turn it on, in my opinion. I mean, he would have to not only win games, so he'd have to improve his overall record as a starter. He'd also have to start putting up some stats that aren't just touchdowns. He'd have to throw for more yards, completion percentage, all that would have to really go up. And if he's throwing the ball that much, I don't think the Steelers are going to be successful. So I'm okay if he doesn't win Offensive Rookie of the Year. But could he get in the conversation? Sure, absolutely. Brian Haynes asks uh, a couple questions. So first one, do you think there is an achievable way for the Steelers to win the North, or are they destined to be a wild card or bust team? Honestly, when you look at the Bengals, when you look at the Ravens, both 8-4, and four, Ravens are currently ahead of the Bengals because of the tiebreaker. Uh, I think it's a really – you'd have to ask both of those teams to completely collapse. I don't think they have a chance of winning the North, but the wild card is a possibility. Next one, can you ask for help on your parlays? LOL. Very funny, Brian. Seriously, though, if Pickens is the number one receiver, who is number two? I personally think it's Pat Fryermuth. So first, Brian, I'm going to take a different approach to the parlay this week. Make sure you're listening on Friday. You'll see what I'm talking about. But remember, I'm not a gambler, okay? Uh, I'm not uh, Jimmy the Greek, who is years of experience in gambling. I'm not that guy. So uh, for me, you just got to take it with a grain of salt. You got to trust that maybe I'll get one right one of these days. That's all I can say about that. As for the receiver, receiving core, if you're looking at production, then absolutely Pat Fryermuth is the number two. It's not De- it's not Deontay Johnson for sure. That's if you're going by production, strict production. Last one from Brian. In no particular order, he said, JK, I won an actual order. Who are the top three players on the Steelers team with the ball in their hands? It can be defensive players if you think they're better than the offensive ones. So the top three players with the football in their hands, okay, this this has me tending to go towards runners of the football. They are the ones that carry the ball the most with it in their hands. Receivers, they don't always have yards after the catch. So number one, still going to go with Najee Harris. Still going to go with Najee Harris because we all saw the stiff arm. He is still really good, and people love to hate on the guy, but he's still really good. Number two, Jalen Warren. When that guy gets the ball in his hands, watch out. He's like a bowling ball, a bull in the china shop, whatever you want to call it. It can be destructive. I love to watch him with the ball in his hands. And third, I'll go defense. I'll say Minka. Minka Fitzpatrick just because it he seems to have the ball in his hands a lot. So we'll go with that. Good question, though. Nathan Vance like, hey, Jeff, I'm so proud to see the offense steadily improving every week. Though I've noticed that the offense still likes to play conservative when they have a lead, which tends to allow a comeback to happen. How can the team break that tendency? Well, put, keeping your foot on the gas, there's risk there. There's risk there. You want to play the percentages, and when the Steelers have a lead, the one thing they want to do is they want to run the football, and they want to take the air out of the ball and just grind it. And they've been grinding offensively since the bye week. It's been fantastic to watch. You see, think back to the Atlanta game. Same thing happened in Indy. The Steelers get the ball back, and they have a really long, time-consuming drive. It might not end in points. It didn't in Atlanta, but they flip the field, killed a lot of clock, and Presley Harvin comes on and pins him at the two. That's what you want to see. So is that conservative football? Yes. Is that winning football? In that case, yes. 
if you go for the gusto all the time, you tend to you know put yourself in situations where all of a sudden you're looking at, oh my gosh, now we are set up with third and long. You don't want that with a rookie quarterback, especially on the road. So I understand what you're saying, but understand their goal is to win the football game. Eric Askew said, Debo said that LeBeau schemed and adjusted based off players' skill sets, but nowadays they're a bit more vanilla, meaning they scheme more based off of what they see. Example, if one isn't comfortable with zone, they'll still be on the field based off what they see. Would you agree? I think that, to me, good coaches can walk that tightrope that is both. They can do what's best for their players while still putting them in position based on what they see, as you put it. So I think that if you have really good coordinators, I thought Keith Butler was great at this. He was able to set up his pass rushers and his defensive front with tremendous, tremendous plays and schemes to get them in space and to have them succeed. But he also would change that based on the opponent. He didn't run the same defensive fronts against Lamar Jackson as he did against, say, Baker Mayfield. They just they weren't the same person. So I think there's a fine line between the two, but that's a good question. AFL 66, he say, he asked, I am assuming it's a he, Jeff, if we get a left tackle in the draft or free agency, is Dan Moore capable of sliding to left guard? And would be would he be better than Dotson? This would kill two birds with one stone. Seems like a good move if it would work. I don't know if Dan Moore's played any guard. I don't know if that really – he's a big dude. I'm not sure if he so much fits in the interior role. I think, if anything, if you find a left tackle that you like that is the starter, then Dan Moore becomes your swing tackle. He becomes a backup, can play right, can play left. I think that's the way they go, more so than trying to bump Dan Moore into the interior spots. Sean Pittman, Jeff, would you rather face a banged-up Lamar Jackson this week or a healthy Tyler Huntley? Also, if you're making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, what are you reaching for, grape or strawberry? Okay, first questions first. I would rather play a banged-up Lamar Jackson, especially with a knee injury, based on the fact that that the guy lives off of his, his athleticism. And so when you limit that, that's going to help your team. However, I don't think he's going to play. Uh, so I, I think it's kind of a moot point. I think Tyler Huntley's the guy. Tyler Huntley, for what he does athletically and running the ball, does have deficiencies throwing the ball. Uh, he was intercepted, I think, twice in that Week 18 game against Pittsburgh. So keep that in mind. Uh, the Steelers have played against him. I like that. I, I I like the fact they have some tape on him. They have experience playing against him. I'll take that. As for the peanut butter and jelly, I've always been – this is interesting. I will do a grape jelly – Give me strawberry jam. They're different. They're different, but different flavors. That's I'm, I'm kind of talking my way through both. All right. The last question from Michael Anderson. Who is the most slash least disappointing Steeler? No rookies allowed. The most or least disappointing Steeler? It's easy. Uh, the most disappointing has been Deontay Johnson. I thought for sure coming off of the contract that he would have a really, really good season. And he just hasn't. His season's been very average. I wish it was better. It just doesn't seem to be working out that way. It's it's not an easy spot for him based on the fact that he has a rookie quarterback. He's not being featured as much. But even after Chase Claypool leaves, you're thinking, wow, Deontay Johnson's going to see the ball a lot more. It's not really playing out that way. And the least disappointing stealer, uh, it's the least disappointing is Cam Hayward. The dude puts out every single game. I mean, he's a guy that you... 
you'd have to search so hard for plays for Cam, that Cam Hayward didn't look good in and didn't do his job. It would take you for a long time to find those plays. He is the, the consummate professional, and he's really good at his job too. So that's also important. So there you go. Good questions. Um, all right. That's it for me. I'm going to be back on Friday. On Friday, you're going to have the DraftKings Sportsbook Parlay, which is going to be different, okay? So pay attention. On top of the DraftKings Sportsbook Parlay, I'm going to be delivering the All Bets Raw segment with Jeremy Betts. We're going to do NFL picks, my keys to victory. You name it, we're going to have it. Make sure you check that out, as well as BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We hope that you're one-stop shop for all things Steelers. And check out some of the other shows on the network, whether it's Dave Schofield, Stat Geek, Jeffrey Benedict had a great Cutting Room Floor podcast on Tuesday. Our PM shows, our noon shows, all great shows. Check them out anywhere where you get your podcast by searching Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. All right, folks, that does it for me. You know how we finished out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week. I'll see you on Friday. Go Steelers.